We're in Galatians chapter number 6. And we'll be at verse number 7. The Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And then it goes on, but we're going to stop there because I just want to talk about the biblical principle of sowing and reaping or the law of the harvest. Let's pray. Amen. So the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. Now, a biblical principle in a law is laid out in black and white, but it can be talked about. It's kind of like the law of gravity. You know, gravity happens. It's going to happen no matter what you do. And the fact is, when you sow, you're going to reap. And I just wanted to talk about a few things about it. One of the things about sowing and reaping is that it's undeniable. And you can look out in the world and you can see this principle take place. And, you know, some people call it karma. They say, oh, you, you know, you, you see the videos on YouTube, instant karma. You know, the guy passes by and does a dirty gesture with his hand and, and then he hits the curb and wrecks. Well, that's funny, but nobody laughed. Nobody's seen that video. But anyway, you see it all throughout the world. You see it in people's lives. You see it when they're bad to other people. You see that things happen to them. You see it in nations. You see it when uh, in the past. You've seen it with the Roman Empire when they persecuted the Christians. You see how the Roman Empire is no more. They were the largest power in this world, going all the way to Great Britain, going all the way up to Russia, I think. But, you know, they, they were mighty but they were taken down. They sowed destruction and they reaped destruction. And even in our own country, sin, we're beginning to reap the seeds of sin. We have been, but we're beginning to see it within this country. We see it in the Bible. We see it in people's lives. We see it in Adam and Eve. When when Eve took a bite of the the fruit, I'm not going to call it the apple, when Eve took a bite of the forbidden fruit, and they, that was sowing the seed, and they were kicked out of the garden. That was reaping what they had sown. There was a payment to be made for that. We see it in Jacob's life with Jacob and Esau. And uh, Jacob betrayed Esau for his birthright. Jacob was the second born, and he tricked. Now, his mother helped him, but Jacob had a choice. And Jacob stole his brother's birthright from him. And when he did, uh, his mother said, well, Jacob's, or Esau is hairy, so we'll put a, a kid's skin, a, a lamb's skin on your hands so that he'll feel the hair. And uh, Jacob, when he was in there, he said, he said son, I, the voice is Jacob's, but the, the hands are Esau's. And he tricked him through that. Later in life, Jacob ended up reaping what he had sown. In his own life, the principle had taken place with Laban. You remember uh, he had worked seven years for Laban, for his wife. 
And that first night, and he wakes up with the older sister. And Laban said, well, it's just not done that way. The, the firstborn, you know, you can't get the secondborn before the firstborn. And he, he lost to the firstborn. And then he worked another seven years for his wife. Later in his life, you know, if you sow lies, and Jacob was a trickster, <laughs> but later in life, his own sons ended up tricking him, ended up betraying him. His, his favorite son was Joseph, Benjamin, but he gave Joseph a coat of many colors. And Joseph, they, they got upset at him, his brothers did, and they, they conspired to kill him, but they ended up selling him off as a slave. And when they came back to Jacob, they had spilled the blood of a kid. And they put that blood on Joseph's coat, and they handed it to Jacob and said, well, he's been killed. And that you just kind of see that principle, the sowing and reaping that takes place throughout the Bible. And in our own Sunday school, we've been studying about David. We've been kind of, I called it this morning, crawling through Second Samuel, you know. I'm enjoying it, just kind of wallowing in there and taking some time. But uh, we see that principle in David's life after the sin of Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite. We see in his own life. He had sinned by taking another man's wife, and God said, you did it in secret, and I'll do it in the open. And we're on, we hadn't got to that chapter yet, but we'll see Absalom on the rooftop with David's wives, his concubines, out there in the open. The adultery paid back. The loss of Uriah the Hittite, he lost his son Amnon. And he sowed, and he reaped. And it's a scary thing. If you sin in your life, Imagining that fearful judgment coming from God that you're going to reap one day. Um, we see it in the lives of nations. We see it in Amalek. In uh, 1 Samuel 15, 2, it said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. And then the Lord's talking to Saul through the prophet. He says, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And they reaped. They, they, their cup of iniquity was full. They had sinned to the point where God, they, they had done it to themselves and then God, you saw, to bring judgment to them. But then we have another instance of sowing. With Saul, in that same instance, he didn't utterly destroy them like he was told to. He kept aside the sheep and the goats. Y'all know what I'm going to say. What meaneth then the bleeding of the fish, the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen in mine ears? Because he didn't take them. We know what Saul did. He said, but the people. And then God took the, took the nation of Israel away from Saul in that moment and gave it to David. Even though he ruled, there still came a time when he had to reap what he had sown, and his family was destroyed on the field of battle. Um, the seeds you sow or plant determine what you get. Look at Galatians 6 with me again. It said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. You're not going to fool him. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. When the farmer goes into the field and he plants seed, he expects that same plant to come up. You know, I, I remember the film Secondhand Lions. I watched it a long time ago, and I wouldn't recommend it. But I just remember the one scene, and I can't get it out of my head. I'm going to say it again because y'all have heard it before. 
but he's out there and the, they, they, they started buying these seed packets from, one, from the salesman that came to the door. They used to shoot the shotgun to run the salesman off, but the boy convinced them to, to give the salesman a chance. So they started buying stuff from the salesman all the time. They're out there planting their garden and they're planting the seeds out there. And after a while, the plants are starting to come up there and they're out there working and they got each of the rows labeled with what the seed packet is that they put down. And they're, he's out there looking and he's like, what's over there in that one? And he said, well, that's, that's uh, I don't know, turnips. And he said, well, what's that over there? He said, this, it's another vegetable, cucumbers, you know, and he goes through each one. And he looks out there and he sees, and you see all those plants and they're the same thing. And he said, corn, 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 you know. But you expect what you plant is going to come up. So if you sow to the flesh, you're going to, of the flesh, reap corruption, the Bible says here in Galatians. If you sow to the spirit, if you sow spiritual things, you'll reap spiritual things. And in your own life, you know, it's those times when you, you have that choice, you're at that fork in the road. I can do this or I can do this. One way is leads to satisfying the flesh, which is never satisfied. The other way leads to following the spirit. So the seeds you plant determine what you get. And then that's the seeds that you plant, but how you plant matters too. You plant seeds all throughout your life, wherever you go. Each day, you're planting seeds. If you neglect your children, oh me. If you neglect your children, then you're going <laughs> to reap what you've neglected. We see in the Bible study with David, that David brought Absalom back, but he, he left him at a distance. We also see some other things that David didn't exercise the justice he was supposed to. But uh, he ignores Absalom. And he ends up reaping from that. Absalom betrays him. Absalom becomes his enemy. And Absalom takes over the kingdom from him. We, we said this more. If you choose not to decide, you still made a choice. But throughout life, the seeds we plant matter. Some seeds we plant knowingly. Sometimes we purposely do things. And some, some seeds we plant unknowingly. And we reap from them later on in life. As an illustration, there was a Frenchman, uh, early 1900s, late 1800s, that uh, he moved, I think it was to New Hampshire, and he was studying entomology at his house. You know, back then they would do it at the house, and he had a net over the field, and he was, he was in love with the silkworm. And he wanted to make a hardy silkworm. And so... But, but the birds were getting through his nets, and they were eating his silkworms. And he didn't like that. So he said, how can I make them hardier? And he said, well, if I blend two worms together and one that's not as tasty to the birds, then I can make a stronger, hardier silkworm. And he was right. The birds didn't like the gypsy moth. So he ordered or he brought in some gypsy moths. And imagine a box of gypsy moths. And he gets to his house and he takes them out. You know, and it's in our own life. We, we do something that we think is small and insignificant, right? Some gesture or something that we do to someone else. 
And there's a spiritual complex to this, but I'm just getting down to practical sense with this. And that Frenchman, he gets those gypsy moths and he puts them out there to, to mix with the silkworms. The problem is some of the gypsy moths got out. And the problem is those gypsy moths had no natural predator and they love oak trees. And it turns out that Massachusetts ended up spending about a million dollars killing off gypsy moths. And now, and Dee was telling me, you can't even hardly go on the porch down in Georgia because of them. I hadn't dealt with them. But uh, somebody at the time said it was like 20 years later. But they were able to figure out that it was him that brought them in. He went on to do astronomy. He was better at that. (laughs) But 20 years later, they're fighting these gypsy moths. They said that when they went out in the backyard, you couldn't see the house. You couldn't see the tree because there were so many of them. And when you walked on the, on the sidewalk, they were under your feet. There were so many, starting from that little box. And, you know, that's what sin will do. Because when you reap, you end up reaping more than you sowed. When you plant a field, you grow. You know, each of those kernels of corn can grow something, right? Um, so we plant them all throughout our life. When sowing spiritual seed, you should sow without regard to the outcome. Where do you sow them? You sow the seeds in your heart. Uh, Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seed, and he throws out the seed. The the sin that you commit, it, it stays with you. It stays in your heart. Those things that you do, they become harder to separate from in your spiritual life. They pull you further away from God. And they reside in your heart. They also, those seeds reside in the hearts of others. Because the things that you do to other people, you want to, and I talk about your testimony, you know. And I talk about that as as the justification for doing right or the motivation to do right. You know, our first motivation, our primary motivation is for the Lord. You want to do right. You want to be holy because that's what God wants. But you also want to be able to lead other people to the Lord. It's pretty hard to witness to them if you're in the same sins that they are. So you sow seeds in that way and in any other venture in life. And uh, it comes to, to, to Bible study, your investment. You know, there's people that say, well, I'm not getting anything out of that church or I'm not getting anything out of the Bible. Well, what kind of seeds are they sowing? Are they sowing seeds toward the spiritual? Or are they sowing seeds to the flesh? Or are they just walking away from it? If you're not getting something out of something, it's because you're not invested or because, you know, or maybe it's a bad preacher, I don't know. But if the Lord is not showing you something, is there something in your heart that's blocking you from hearing what the Lord has to say? You say, well, you're trying to just throw it all on me. And it's like, it is on you. If you want the Lord to cleanse your heart, the Bible says he'll do it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You want to be, you want to be clean? It's kind of up to you. The Lord will do it. He's standing there. He's ready. He's standing at the right hand of God, ready. But you got to give him the opportunity. All right. Any other adventure in life? 
So the amount of the seed affects the outcome. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Verse number 6. And Paul's talking to the Corinthians and he's talking to them about giving. And this applies in what you give to the Lord. This applies in what you give to anything. He said, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Every good work. When you want to do something for the Lord, the Lord gives you the ability to. And how much do you put into it? Um, but the amount that you put in affects the outcome. So I'm making a joke here, and I'm going to say it before I do it. So you give some money to the church, and God will give back to you, pressed down, shaking over. And No, Miss, I said it was a joke, Miss Rachel. Her mouth dropped. <laughs> but the point is, you, give to the, you can't outgive God on anything. And it's of your time, it's, a, it's of your, your, your heart, your spirit, it's, a, it's of your time to witness. It's, it's just anything that you do for the Lord, there's going to be abundant return. So when he talks about he that soweth sparingly will reap also sparingly, imagine the farmer, he's got three acres out there. That's a small field, right? But he's got three acres out there, and he said, well, I'm only going to plant two. Well, he sowed sparingly, and he's going to reap sparingly. Another farmer out there, he, well, another farmer out there, he's got three acres. He plants one. He's sowing sparingly, reaping sparingly. Another farmer, he's got three acres, and he plants three and a half because he moves over into the other farmer's yard. <laughs> but he's going to reap a bounty. Amen? Especially with God blessing it. And where you plant the seeds, the, the way seeds are cared for is the, the growth of the seed is also affected by the way that you care for the seed. I remember a long time ago when we were in Calvary or uh, Kathleen, we were in Kathleen, Georgia, and we were going to Calvary Baptist Church. But uh, one of the members, we, we had... 4.22 acres, I think, is the number. I like quoting it exactly. But we had the four. It was back like a football field. One-third was the huge double-wide 80 by 32. And if you know double-wide, that's about as big as you can get without actually being a house. But one-third was clear, cleared. The middle third was semi-cleared. And the back third was trees, you know. But I wanted to try my hand at a garden. So the, the makeup of the field really had nothing to do with it. But I wanted to try a garden. And one of the members, he had his own garden. He came over, he brought his plow, you know, his little tractor, and he, he held me some rows. And uh, we planted seeds out there. I forget what we planted, cucumbers and squash. Dee likes squash, and she's convinced me to like it. And, uh, but we, we planted them. And then it wasn't too long after that, we went on vacation. And back then, I could take two weeks vacation, 
You know, we went up to the mountains with the camper, and we were up there for two weeks. And uh, we came back, and yeah, some of you already know. Came back, and it's like, man, you actually got to take care of this thing. <laughs> I, it's like I thought he took all the grass out of here. <laughs> But the fact of the matter is, for weeds to grow, you don't have to tend them. And if you're out there throwing weed seed, you don't have to worry about tending it. It's going to come back to you. Those things that you do that are in the flesh, that's the weed seed. The weeds are going to come up. The tares are going to come up in the middle of the good stuff, the stuff that you've sown. You're trying to have a good life. You try to plant good seed, and that other seed that you threw out there, it's just coming up around it, and it's choking it. So... A successful crop doesn't come from just scattering seed. It comes from tending to the field, watching the weather, protecting from freezes, and protecting from parasites, and weed in the garden. Over in Romans 2.5, there's a, is God's promise. He says, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render, this is the part, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. The point is that when you throw the seed, spiritual seeds, it's not just a one and done. You don't go on two weeks vacation and then come back and expect everything to just be growing nice. There's going to be weeds in the garden and you're going to have to keep them out. And let me tell you something. Jesus gave the parable of the wheat and the tares. It was the devil that sowed it. He's going to sow it in your life. He's going to sow it in your heart. If you just plant the seeds of spiritual well-being, if you just read your Bible one time and you say, well, I'm good, and you don't stay in prayer, you don't stay with the Lord, you don't stay in church. Yes, I said it. And you don't stay in church. If you... uh, If you just think that, well, I did good here, what you did in the past, there may be something to reap from that, but the weeds are going to come up and choke it and make it unrecognizable. You have to tend that garden. So he says, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. And those things we do are for an eternal reward. He said, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, they're sowing the bad seed. And I'm, yes, I'm, I'm putting the template over this. This isn't the context. But he says, unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So there's the planting of the seed, where to plant it, how to tend it, and then there's also the harvest. And the harvest is in eternal rewards because you may know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but there'll be a day, too, when your works will be judged before the Lord, not for your salvation, but for your rewards, for your crowns. And 1 Corinthians 3.12, Paul says, Now if any man build upon this foundation, that foundation is Jesus Christ, Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work should be made manifest. That means it's going to be shown. 
For the day shall declare it, because it shall be received by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. What a sad day to get up there at the judgment seat of Christ and you you, you know, some, you've got somebody like Elizabeth Elliot or somebody or Dr. Dr. Ruppman or somebody that lays out all these jewels out on the fire and man, the fire just can't even touch them. It just goes whoosh. There's some stubble around it and stuff like that. It disappears, but all that's left is the shining jewels. And you've done nothing for the Lord. You've done nothing to plant the good seed. You've done nothing in your life. To, to plant a good seed, or maybe you've done very little and you get up there and you got your little bag and you throw it out there and you're, you're thinking, well, that kind of looks like a jewel. Well, that, that might be all right. And it turns out that was just a shiny stick and that fire goes whoosh. The Lord looks at you and says, where is it? It didn't make it, Lord. And you just, you're saved, yet so is by fire. The fire has tried your works and you're empty-handed. You're planting seeds for eternal life. So in the harvest, there's eternal, that's your eternal rewards. You can expect to reap something. You plant seeds, you're going to expect a return. A farmer plants seeds, he expects a return. The other the principle is you will reap more than you sow. And... And this is key, and we're almost done. The harvest takes time. You won't always see it happen right away. It's not a cause and effect in your life. You know, you, there's a lot of people that get discouraged. I read an illustration, two men in a gold mine out there in the gold rush in California, and they're both digging in the ground, and, and they've got that mine going, and one guy said, that's enough. We hadn't found anything. I'm out of here. He packs up his stuff, he goes to the tent, he leaves the other guy there, and he said, well, good luck to you. And the other guy said, well, I'm going to keep going. He packs it up, and he goes on back to the East Coast. The other fella goes, gets up, makes his break, breakfast, you know, sausage and eggs and, and uh, coffee, and then he goes out there to work in that mine, and he gets that pick and swings it, and he gets that shovel and digs a little dirt, and he sees a little gleam, and he starts to pull it back. And there's the gold they've been looking for all this time. You can't give up while this world goes on. While you're in this world, you can't give up. Man, that's a tough one. So many times things get hard and you just want to give up. So many times you just uh, you get to struggling and you say, well, you know what, it's never going to get any better. I just can't do any better on this. Well, let me tell you something. Don't give up. Because unlike... For the guy that left and the guy that was still in the mine, you know, that story is all good and everything, but we know sometimes that other guy could just be digging in the mine for years and the other guy would go live his life, right? We have a promise. We have a guarantee of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no reason to give up. There's no reason to faint. I didn't have this one written down, but now i got to find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 58, he says there, let's see, 
Verse 57, we're going to yank it out of context a little bit. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. We have that promise of eternal rewards. Over in Ecclesiastes number 11, number one, the, the, or, you know, we said the harvest takes time. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11 says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. When you, when you cast your seed, leave it in the Lord's hands. You can't determine the outcome. That farmer plants that seed. You know, you know why there's so many farmers that are close to God? Because God's in control of what goes on in that field. They can plant they can, they can weed, they can fertilize, they can do everything they know to do. And one storm, one hailstorm can come and beat down all that wheat. One bad rain, one flood can sit there and take out their whole crop. They're relying on the Lord to carry them through. And that's what you need to do in your own life. Plant the seed. He says, if the clouds be full of rain... Ecclesiastes 11.3, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Don't worry about it. The tree's going to fall where it's going to fall. Things are going to happen, but it's in God's hands. Verse number four, he that observeth the wind, and this one's one that's kicked me throughout my whole life. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that guardeth the cl- regardeth the clouds shall not reap. That's the farmer that gets out there in the morning and says, well, I don't know. Kind of looks like rain today. I don't know. I'll be planting my seed today. And you worry about that. You know, that's something I've learned at work being back here. You know, when I grew up working out on the dike, I'd look out there and see the storm. I didn't mind so much because I was in the store the whole time. I get out there now, I got to work out in the field, and I see that rain clouds, and I used to think, well, there goes the day because... All my permits were pre-written, and that would trash the whole... I'd have to go through the whole process again if it rained me out, you know, and they shut me down. But uh, what I've come to learn is, I just sit in the truck, it'll be done. <laughs> and if it ain't, then you're still just sitting in the truck. It all pays the same. <laughs> but you're there, and as soon as it stops, you get out, you do it, you go to the next one. You know, unless it's just so bad, everything's wet, you don't want your feet in water when you're handling you know, electricity. Uh, Ecclesiastes 11.5, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. They say God works in mysterious ways. God works in his own ways. God works in the ways that he wants to work. Ecclesiastes 11.6, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike. That's something to know. All we're accountable for is what we do. The Lord speaks to me right now. All you can be in that pulpit, Keith. That's, you've got to be there. Be there for the lesson. And be there in church for you guys. Be there in your Bible study. Be there in prayer for the Lord. And when, when the Lord speaks to your heart to speak to someone and speak that word, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense, Lord. 
You know, I've, I, there's been some times I've regretted not saying what the Lord had laid on my heart because I didn't get another chance to say something to him. That happened this summer with a fellow at work. I remember the Lord kind of moving on me to say something, and I didn't listen. That's something to hear from your preacher, isn't it? He ended up passing away. You listen to the Lord when he works on your heart. Sowing and reaping. Second Peter 3.8 But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's a knowing that the reaping will come. And if you sow your seeds to the flesh, if, you're, if that's what you constantly do, and you're not, you're not trying to sow to the Spirit, he said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall burn up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And I think that's a good place to finish this. Knowing that seed is what we plant throughout all our lives, it's good seed or it's bad seed, you're going to reap from all of it. And I know, I know seeds sown in youth, they come back to you and they haunt you. You know, people talk about sowing your wild oats. That's probably about the worst thing you could do. It might knock you on the head. It might show you that it didn't work out. But, man, you got to live with the damage. you got to live with the dirt on your shoes. And only the Lord can clean it up. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? While she...